This is the We Are Outdoorsmen podcast, built by outdoorsmen for outdoorsmen, presented by Herod Outdoors and Max Luer. Top line. Top line just got this. Yes, there it is. <laughs> <laughs> that was my fit. There we go. Oh, he does it again. Welcome back to another episode of the We Are Outdoorsman podcast, presented by Herod Outdoors and Max Lure. I am your producer, Britton Ransford. Well, actually, Richie kind of produces some of it now, so <laughs> I'm just kind of. Uh, oh god. Hey, it's actually thought, in season. I thought he was not. He can allowed. do that. He's not allowed. No. What? Well, it, it, this is the only, it's probably the only episode season. he can. Well, okay. We got a couple more episodes we can do. <laughs> All right, I guess. <laughs> we, uh, we are here at the uh, rainy um, yeah. We Are Outdoorsman podcast studio, which doubles as an office, and there's some couches in this here. Is, this isn't on. the mobile F-150 studio. No. no. Uh, last no. time we uh, were on the air, we... Uh, but you joined us for a good minute while you were teaching people to run into yeah. fires. But uh, <laughs> Richie... I was like, what? <laughs> Richie left us last for the last episode. He he left us high and dry, so we uh, had no studio. So we just sat in Bobby's truck, and we did have special coffee. Yes, we did not operate the vehicle. <laughs> no, but we did sit inside of it. Yeah, <laughs> and that was uh, fair. The, That's mo- fair. the mobile F one fifty. The studio. mobile F one fifty. Yeah. So, uh, jeez, that was fun. This is a little bit more comfy. A little warmer, but yeah, we got special coffee going. Well, I have special coffee. Do you have special? Well, of course, I Bobby's do. got special coffee. And Richie, he's some you know, he's just being a bummer over here. <laughs> I gotta work, I got stuff work. to do. He's got, this thing. is work, don't um, spill it. No, I know. I'll just gotta try to sip my coffee here real quick. <laughs> mm. Ooh, all that whiskey's sitting right on top. <laughs> okay, you know, you, um, you, you are supposed to stir that in, so no, nope. Just straight, to, straight to, if I had an IV, I'd have one. It's uh, it's Cinco de Mayo the day we're recording That's today. True. It's That's Cinco true. Cinco de Mayo. So, no habla. Uh, no habla. Uh, should have tequila in here. Yeah. A little tequila coffee. Woo. Icky. I don't know about that. Icky. No, no, no. That wouldn't be very coffee. special. No. We only drink when we're doing podcasts, by the way. This isn't a problem. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. That's true. That's true. Um, so, yeah, we're, we're right in the thick of spring. It's starting to feel like spring, too. It was, like, warm this morning and wet and rainy, so that was cool. Yeah. Yeah, it's gorgeous out. Hey, you know, we, we actually should probably go fishing one of these Jeez. days. There we go. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone's catching springers and walleye and trout and kokanee. They just had a – the guys in Northern California just had a pretty good showing down at the, the Shasta Derby. They caught some nice nice uh, kokanee. Our team caught uh, second biggest kokanee both days. Um, had a couple of people fish nice just fish around the top too. ten. So, yeah, they were really good fish. Yeah. Catching them on double Ds and wedding rings and – Cripplers and uh, all uh, all that fun stuff. Yeah, and we, uh, what was it? Uh, Christopher, they did a uh, did on a Davis, show on yeah. Davis, and you know everything. Everything's starting to go off. Well, you know, trout season or the opening of Lowland Lakes happened what two weeks ago. Yeah, here, so here in everybody yeah. is out fishing. Yeah, and we do a program with WDFW. We do a what trout derby basically. It, yeah, so you a catch a tagged derby. fish right. and you win a uh, I don't know thirty dollar gift certificate or whatever. So if you uh, catch a tagged fish in one of these lakes, it's all the information on the WDFW website. You can uh, call us and get a, 
a gift certificate. Sweet. Yeah, it's pretty neat. They uh, given out like tag, 10 already. They tag all these fish and, and then turn them loose in, in, I think they turned them loose in probably 30 lakes. Yeah. And uh, so there's a number of fish. And, and a number of other people are involved in it also besides us. But, you know, you can win a... Uh, Max Lord gift certificate. That's it awesome. was weird. There, there's it's super random. We had that one. There's like pond six off of I eighty six or something, and they have <laughs> two tagged trout in there. Just two of them hmm. that are for Max Lure. and both of them were caught opening weekend. <laughs> what are the odds of that? Yeah, it's so random. pretty low. Like the, literally two of the first three, and we do I don't know. Yeah. There's like fifty gift certificates in there, or something crazy. Yeah. That's crazy. And the first two that we got were out of this little pond, <laughs> and it was just those two fish. That's just the funny. odds are astronomical. Well, but uh, hey. I haven't personally caught any of our tagged fish because I haven't done any fishing, but we're getting ready to gear up and get really big into it. Yeah. I, I am a little shy of going fishing with you guys because it's been a struggle. Brent, Britton's saying he doesn't want to fish with this Bobby. I just well, think that we know, need to break some space. Maybe, and maybe. that's fine. We'll leave him behind. Yeah. Well, that's what well, you used to do we'll anyway. Leave him, hey, <laughs> we'll, leave, we'll leave him at the ramp with a we'll, rod. That's right. One night crawler. And we'll, we'll give him some maggots or Tru- something. Truck guard. And he can be truck you guard. Can be truck I'll just guard. troll up and down the yeah. dock. <laughs> He's standing there with a big mopey face. Hey, will you take me fishing? <laughs> can I go with you guys? But, uh, yeah. Have we're, you, we're grousing. I haven't been fishing, no. You let, you, he bought a, a cabin up on the lake and doesn't fish anymore. I know. <laughs> I know. That's pretty bad, isn't it? Yeah. I was turkey hunting, though. Yeah, how'd turkey hunting go? I mean, we can talk about that later, but how'd it, it was, go? It was all right. Yeah, we'll talk about it. Actually, we'll, you got a show. You, you we'll, filmed a show. We won't spoil it yet, but um, yeah, Bobby didn't do any turkey hunting. You know, I thought about it about three times three. because I needed to get out of the house, and uh, I just I have not quite pulled the trigger. But I'm th- I'm still thinking about it. Well, I <laughs> I got all that snow off the ground, so I started golfing again. Yeah. No, he's got to get it in every oh, time. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Every the, time. It's really weird, though, this in, year. In, the, in, his, in his Bill Murray wear. The, yeah. Bill well, the, crazy. Usually my driver's Cinderella my strong story. suit. 400 yards out. Usually I can drive it pretty well, but this year's been a struggle <laughs> with the driver. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you guys don't want to talk about golf, but uh, we're... Uh, we're looking at him like... We're, uh-huh. strug- we're struggling people, with the driver right now. Night, we could use thoughts and prayers. <laughs> what else is new? How the you guys got a new rod? We did, we did. We have a new nine foot kokanee trout trolling rod. Nice backbone to it for bigger fish. You can use it as a like a lead dropper or lead weight out your back of your boat. You can put it on the downrigger. It's a beautiful rod. I love it. Is it good for like carp and stuff too? You could catch a carp, Britton, <laughs> if you would like to catch a carp. carp well, I think that's all I'm going to get from carp the dock. Would be good. <laughs> no, it, it it was designed as a as a uh, lead rod for fishing on the outside. You know, when people don't have uh, more than than two downriggers or something, where you're you're fishing lead, and uh, it's it's heavy enough in the back to handle pretty much a, anything that you want, as far as you know, <laughs> up to steelhead and salmon. But the tip is really light and uh, sensitive, so. Playing a you know twelve inch kokanee is actually fun. Yeah, it's it's a nice rod. Those, you uh, hook into a five pound fish. You got plenty of oh yeah yeah plenty of backbone. You know it, that rod will be a great rod for well, actually sockeye sockeye fishing. fishing oh is absolutely, be a really good rod for yep. that. Yep, that's kind of the theme across all your rods is you know super light, really nice to play small fish, but can also handle the big fish. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah. that's the truth. And uh, 
this one in particular, you know, you can you can catch pretty large fish on our ultralight kokanee trolling rod, but this one here will be a little more versatile. And like Bobby said, in the sense that for sockeye, I mean, I would, I mean, you use that rod specifically for that. Whereas the ultralight, you know, say you caught a bigger fish, it's going to handle it, but you may not be, you know, trying to use that rod for bigger fish. This one definitely would. I, I heard the other day a uh, Jim up in Canada eh, got yeah. uh, caught a uh, nine pound uh laker on the on that uh, on the ultra light no on the the walleye rod oh the walleye oh, rod, yeah. right and, yeah that's right he's he been using that it. yeah yeah just loved it so i haven't fished oh, i've fished the <laughs> i've fished the walleye rod before it yeah. was a walleye rod i had the prototype and then i also snapped it yeah yeah well, uh, the one that he broke the tip off of yeah, yeah. well it was in <laughs> yeah it's like maybe i should invest in a truck and not a car stuffing rods in a car doesn't work too good <laughs> it doesn't oh man You'll never live that one down. That's yeah. all right. Hey, guess what? Oil's, I, I oil's fi- expensive I right now. Did so. you fix it? Oh, yeah. Nice. Did you make it a shorty? Well, it, it he broke uh, an inch Actually, and a quarter I'll, off To be fair, tip. it wasn't oh. me. It was someone unnamed broke that. Because <laughs> it was the passenger door. I don't get in the passenger door. <laughs> Rich. But It's not my fault. <laughs> it's not my fault. That's why I didn't offer to help fix it. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I fixed it the other day. I took and sanded it off the tip and, and uh, got it set up and and uh, put a new tip top on it. So it, it's an inch and a quarter short. Yeah. It'll it, work. Yeah. yeah. I have a brand new one, too, that's not no snaps or anything that I yeah. haven't used yet. I was going to say, you have a good one. I got a good one. Yeah. I also caught I caught a trout on, on the... Uh, ultralight on the ultralight yeah you did and that was that was, that was nice super fish. fun i was yeah, it was you know, really nice fish. when when you go fishing for two days looking for one just trying to get one feel of it it was nice and made made it worth its while yeah the it one a, fish it was a nice fish but, a little, uh, little short on content for a tv show but we tried we did and and that time we actually did we were, we were able to blame the weather that the weather definitely had an impact on there's no doubt pretty crappy you know what it, the way the weather's been this spring holy cow let's let's face it you yeah. know we go from uh, 68 degrees to four days later, I've got, or five days later, I had 13 inches of snow on my uh, deck. I know. Yeah, I'm Come scared. To, I'm still scared to put the snow boots away. <laughs> They're sitting right next to the door. Still. You know what? They were even saying there's a chance of frost this weekend again. It's like well, just about time you think you, your trees are out the, of trouble. The snow level is supposed to come down to 2,100 feet know, again. I know. So, <laughs> give it up already. I'm going I, to Seattle. Going to Seattle. <laughs> I you can have you yeah, can hey, have it. Hey, hey, I'm bro. going over there to watch See those ya. losers at T-Mobile. You can have all the Seattle you want. <laughs> I'm only going over one day. I'll not be over there for there. literally less than 24 hours. You know what? You can do it. I'm not. Yeah, I'm not. Mm-mm. It's gonna be pouring rain. <laughs> pouring probably. rain, and yeah, I probably won't be able to go to any restaurants. Probably not. Uh, yeah. So today on the podcast we have Danny Coin. Yes, we do. Danny Coin at BCFishing.com. He's an actually pro staffer. And uh, has really pioneered some of that BC kokanee fishing, and uh, we're excited to have him on the show. Richie spoke to him um, earlier yeah. this week. I actually just did a in the Mac Attack little plug here for you guys. Yeah, I, in the Mac Attack, uh, I put an article in there from from uh, Danny five proven tips to catch more kokanee this yeah. spring. So after you hear Danny tell you about that, then you can go read about it too. I saw yeah. that. It's it's a good article. It's a really good article. <laughs> we we we've had a lot of fun with Danny. He's a, uh, one of those individuals that, that's a very genuine, genuine person. And when he gets into something, it's not just, you know, part way. I mean, he goes in 110%. Boy, that's Whatever truth. he does. Yeah. 
and uh, you know that that's one of the reasons that we uh, brought him on as a maxillary pro staffer is is you know his BC fishing site was tremendous. I mean, he's trying to teach people where to go, when to go, what to use, how to use it. You know, trying to get more people out. And uh, you know, he he's a tremendous tremendous asset and and does a fantastic job with everything that he does, including photography. Yeah. yeah. Latest thing, yeah, you know, it's kind of one of the items we talked about. He he's took up photography now you can find him danny coin photography yeah it's so good and he's just man i mean like like you said like everything he does he yeah. just jumps in 110 percent and and uh we'll, we'll talk about how well actually he's done on, yeah yeah in the interview no yeah. he, he's done yeah. but i'm gonna preface this whole thing right now now the only reason he got into photography is because <laughs> the boat he, yeah the he, boat he, he bought he bought he bought this big boat and he was so excited about it and then he started realizing that he couldn't fish a lot of the smaller lakes like he like he used to right. and and loves to real close you know uh, go popping in real quick and that big boat was just such a nuisance so he turned around and sold his boat he sold it the day that he put it on the, on the market yep has cash had already put money down on <laughs> this smaller boat and it's been like a year and a half, yeah. and he hasn't been able to get a boat. <laughs> yeah. So he's filling in with photography, <laughs> well, and, he and, and he's doing a pretty damn good job of it. Well, he, well, he is because he has no boat. Yeah, exactly. he, can't, he can't fish unless he goes I, to the banks. Well, I'm not sure we have a boat either. <laughs> <laughs> we have a boat, but it just sits there collecting dust. Yeah, so That's uh, sad. We will uh, take a quick break here, and uh, when we get back, Richie and uh, Danny will talk about photography and fishing and no boats, and uh, we'll uh, talk to you in a sec. New at Maxter.com is the 5.8 Double D Dodger. It features five patented attachment points that allows you to take your spread out further away from the boat. It's available in a 4.4 and a 7.6 as well, and this month only, you can get it for 15% off using code ddxd15 at maxlore.com that's code ddx15 at maxlore.com all right well today i'm visiting with our buddy danny coin hey danny how you doing hey richie doing really well how are you good you you and i've been uh playing some phone tag or trying to get on the same page for schedule but we finally did it <laughs> yeah just a little bit <laughs> maybe what we need to do is start out and just tell everyone how we know each other where you're from and kind of have folks get to know you our relationship really is through uh, max lure so how did that all start yeah um i can't remember how many years ago now it was, it was a few years back uh yeah. I'm a, i was a max lure max lure pro staff member and then uh you and Bobby and Lance came up to British Columbia here to uh, to come ice fishing, and we we're shooting a show, doing uh, some kokanee fishing through the ice. And uh, man, did we ever have a good time! <laughs> oh man, did <laughs> and we that ever. first show was a, was a kickoff to a great relationship, my friend. We've had a lot of good adventures. <laughs> oh, I'll say, really has been. And you had uh, started, uh, well, I guess just an online group called BCFishing.com. Is that right? Is that how did that all? Come together. Yeah, that's right. About uh, I guess 13 years ago now, I have a, a website called bcfishing.com, and uh, what it was, it started off just as a small little blog site to help educate newcomers to fishing and get people more involved in the sport of fishing. And then it just kind of kept growing and growing, and we end up using it as a platform to promote conservation, uh, doing fishing seminars throughout the province, virtual seminars, 
Uh, also, obviously, working with companies like Max Moore and just really getting the, the average Joe out on the water a lot more and get him effective and catch more fish. And uh, we've had a great time with it, met some great people through it. We've worked with the Freshwater Fishery Society at BC. This is a great one because we've helped them with the, the Learn to Ice Fish program. So over mm-hmm. five years, we've taken probably at least, I think altogether, probably about over 2,000 people out ice fishing in the wintertime and teaching them how to fish and introducing them. It's such a great family sport. So, uh, oh. yeah, working with groups like that, it's just been it's been a fantastic thing. Yeah, and I really enjoy some of the stuff that you've done with them. And, of course, like you said, your biggest goal with that is really about education, and I think you've done an excellent job with that. And I uh, really enjoy your articles that you have provided over the past, and you continue to, you know, share that information in the, the Mac Attack, the Max Lure newsletter. And if you haven't subscribed to that before, you ought to, the Max Lure Mac Attack, because there's a lot of great information in there. Danny's a regular contributor to that and to learn all kinds of things, but especially kokanee and trout and ice fishing, I'd say those are kind of your specialties, huh? Yeah, I'm just kind of a kokanee addict, that's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> Something about yeah, those like, chrome little bars, I can't get enough of chasing them. <laughs> aren't, aren't we Aren't we all? You agree. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so recently, though, you've, you've been doing something out. Uh, you've been putting your fishing rod down and you picked up something else what are you doing these days yeah well at the beginning of the pandemic um my work mm-hmm. slowed down a little bit so i actually had some extra time and uh, i've always wanted to get into photography and more like more wildlife photography because while we're out fishing and hunting there's been so many great i mean i think every sportsman has this experience we all see these amazing things that happen when we're out you know mm-hmm. um whether we're fishing hunting or hiking and such and I used to be just taking pictures from my phone and bringing it back. I'm like, well, that's not really what it looked like. And uh, so <laughs> um, during the pandemic, I went from working like crazy to my job pretty much slowed right down. And I finally had right. some time. So I picked up a camera and knew a little bit about photography back from the film days, just like just enough to kind of get by. And uh, I started to start shooting. And it didn't take long. And my first trip was out uh, – I hiked out and took some pictures of mountain goats, and they looked a little bit better than the ones I had with my phone. And I'm like, hey, those aren't too bad. I think I can do better, though. (laughs) And with today's, uh, you know, the Internet world, I just start jumping online and taking course after course and, you know, watching videos and going um, uh, on YouTube and finding everything I could find out about photography. And, man, it just... It's just become. I don't even leave the house now without my camera in the pickup. Yeah. It's, it's it's yeah. It's been such a great thing. And then a couple of years I've been out hunting. You know, like lots of time I'm using. I'm shooting with that camera while we're out there. It, it's we're bringing home these adventures to us, and it's been really fantastic. Well, now you know. Now you understand why I did that. You know, starting so many years ago. Not not so much stills, but just photography in general. You know, it's, it's so rewarding. Oh, absolutely. It makes you just appreciate every little small thing that we see out there. You don't take it for granted because you're looking at things a little bit differently, you know? Yeah, yeah. You get to frame things up the way that your eye sees it or it helps you sort of creatively look at the world a little bit differently. And and, uh, like you said, just sort of capture what we do in a way that when you look back, it's like, wow, remember that? That was pretty dang cool. That's right. That's right. And you never see light. I'll never see light the same way again. (laughs) 
<laughs> well, I know. I'll be that's driving a, down a road, and yeah. then all of a sudden the, the sun will hit something the right way or yeah. the right time of day. I'm like, wow, you know, and it's uh, yeah. My wife kind of thinks I'm crazy some days, but <laughs> that's all good. Well, you are, but that's all right. Yeah, yeah, we all know that. Yeah, yeah we all know that. We've been on a boat long enough together to know yeah. that. So, yeah, yeah, we go a little nuts. But <laughs> I guess the thing that uh, the you know being crazy is one thing, but the other is that actually because of that sort of attention to detail, you want something pretty cool here. Tell everybody what 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 happened to you recently. It's a pretty neat thing yeah so um one of the the main subjects i like to go out and photograph is wild sheep and um we're really lucky here in bc that we have such a one of the largest diverse um populations of wild sheep pretty much in north america and uh, where i live we have some incredible bighorn uh california bighorn sheep so um, i'm a member of the wild sheep society of british columbia and uh they were having a photo contest and there's some pretty heavy hitter hitter of uh, photographers and because these guys are going up to the Yukon and are up north and just taking some beautiful shots of stone sheep and everything else and uh, so I had a I heard that there was this this uh, contest this um, photographer of the year contest so I, uh, I spent majority mm-hmm. of the rut season chasing bighorns with my camera and I got some amazing shots and and then uh, I ended up following them all the way into pretty much into December. And lucky me, I was able to actually capture the right shots and won me that award. So that was a, a huge milestone for me. Photographer of the year for the Sheep Foundation. Wow. Yeah, Wild how'd Sheep Society, BC. Yeah. How, how'd that? And, how'd that hit you? <laughs> you know, it was awesome, man. It was awesome, and especially because this organization is—they do so much for wild sheep, and it and these photos are going to be used for creating awareness for our wild sheep. And that just means so much to me because if I can use my photography to bring awareness towards wildlife and as a sportsman, I mean, this is a resource that we value so much. Um, It it hit me really hard. I I was so happy. (laughs) Yeah, I bet you were. Well, you deserved it because I saw the photos. It's pretty cool that the society recognized you in that way. And uh, geez, in just such a short time that you've become, such a good photographer and uh i know you spent a lot of time hiking and trying to get the very best shots so congratulations on that appreciate it thank you very much uh so let's talk a little bit about uh wild sheep you know whether you're in british columbia or here in washington or even oregon you know there's not very many of those sheep around uh we we have limited hunting seasons for them but they're such a majestic creature, uh, and I feel like we're really lucky that we are able to go out and hunt them, even if it's only a you know once in a lifetime chance as it is here. Is it the same way in BC? Uh, if you were to put in for a tag, can you get more than one in your life, or how's it? How does that work? Yeah, in BC, and it also depends on which area you're going to hunt. Um, so you know, if we go further north, you can get. There are some. Um, general seasons which like are full curl or three-quarter curl better um mm-hmm. but if you're in the heavier populated areas like where i live in the um southern interior okanagan area yeah you can you, you have to put an, L, an leh in and the, the odds of getting one of these entries is i mean it's a when you get it it's like a lifetime experience there are some people that luck out and and uh, pull it twice our isn't our program our leh programs are not based off a of point system it's literally okay. just a, a lotto. So the, every oh. time that you go and submit into it, 
So there can be people that can get a, a goat draw and a sheep draw all in one year type of thing. And uh, those people should be buying lotto tickets because that's just no it's crazy when that happens. Yeah. But, um, no, we, we don't have a lot of, op- you know, hunting opportunity in the in the southern part of British Columbia. As you go north, there's definitely more. But, you know, in order to go do that, you got to be, you know, you're, you're doing big camps, you're, you're flying in. It's quite an expensive ordeal to do that. Yeah, it's uh... – yeah, a lot more as you go north, but certainly southern BC, Washington, Oregon in particular, you know, the populations aren't large, and that's why they do that, and I get it. Uh, one of the things I remember back in my working days um, that I worked at the Forest Service, and the work was never the biologists, both at the Forest Service and the state. One of the issues we had is just the interaction between wild sheep and domestic sheep and the various diseases that are transmitted. Is that an issue that you guys deal with there in southern BC as well? Yeah, this is a huge thing right now. So that's called, I don't know what the exact, I can't even start to pronounce yeah. the actual uh, scientific name for it, but it's referred yeah, as MOVI, M-O-V-I, or M-O-V-I. And um, this is actually where I'm I'm playing a big role with the Wild Sheep Society of BC right now and helping the Ministry of Biologists is that we'll go out and do sheep counts, and especially this time of year because of lamb recruitment, and uh-huh. we're losing a good chunk of our lambs and uh, and herds to this movie. And that's exactly what happens, Richie, is that they, domestic sheep owners, um, they don't get their herds checked, and they let them cross over into, you know, grazing areas. And then if that grazing area is met with a from a domestic sheep to one of the wild sheep, and domestic sheep can, my understanding is that they can actually carry this movie, and they seem fine at a point right. and then as soon as it gets gets into the or into the wild sheep when it first gets introduced it can wipe out close to 80 percent of the herd and it goes quick yep. within like a season and right. pretty much it's a pneumonia-based disease that and i've seen a sheep with it and their mouth is just it's disgusting like their nose and their mouth is just all snotted up and it it's almost like COVID for for wild sheep almost you know like yeah. it's yeah. such a bad respiratory disease respiratory and um with the lambs, like this is what I'm doing right now is I've spent the last two weekends, uh, Craig McLean, our local biologist, we have some incredible biologists here in, in British Columbia for a wild sheep and they work really, um, really closely with our society and they've asked us like if you're going out, you know, um, they reach out to us who, that he knows we're going to be out there photographing or photographing these things and so I've been going out every weekend right now and um looking at the ewes, taking photos of them, using large, like, 600-millimeter lenses so, I, you know, I don't have to get up close to them, and sure. uh, getting shots of them to check if they if there is any disease outbreak because when the lambs show up um, previous years, we went from, I remember, like, the one herd down in uh, near Oliver Asuius, I think there was 12 lambs I counted, and I came back about three months later, and there was only one lamb left because that oh, wow. disease wiped them out. So. Yeah, it is something that they're working so hard on, and the Wild Sheep Society of BC is doing a great job of um, not only just creating awareness of it, but actually working with the local farmers to get their animals tested, um, lobbying the government to put in some sort of action plan. That's the other thing is that there's not really a lot of planning in place at a, at a provincial level to stop right. um, the crossover of the domestic to wild sheep populations. And I know this happens all throughout. It's not just in British Columbia. It happens in Washington down the states as well. Yeah, it definitely does. And, and you know, a lot of this just is kind of grassroots, and it, it sort of starts with the, the wildlife biologists and those of us who are 
interested in these kinds of things that create awareness and um, kind of help manage the situation. I would say it's you know fairly true here in Washington and, and Oregon that way as well. That there are plans now in place, and I think when I was working many years ago, that that was a part of what the, those biologists between the agencies were doing. They were developing plans to help minimize the you know number of uh, interactions between wild and and domestic sheep and and hopefully we can maintain some of those populations. Yeah, absolutely. It takes a long time for them to come back. That's because uh, when they get That's wiped the, out, it's it's a slow going coming back. Yeah, and and um, of course some, the states. I know they work on reintroduction and things like that. But the best thing is just try to help prevent those interactions so we, we don't have the problem in the first place. That's right. Yeah. Well, then when it comes to transplanting too, like you can't have can't take an animal that could have actually crossed over into a domestic area and then transplant it yeah. to another herd because it could be carrying the disease. So there's lots to go into it for sure. But yeah, and the wildlife biologists, I mean, they're starting to, the government, you know, it's, it goes back to the same thing. Like we just, it's the resources, right? Like these biologists have so much on their plate and it's only so much funding. So that's why, you know, uh, organizations like the Wild Sheep Foundation that's, you know, in the States and in Canada, you know, they do great work to be able to create funding for it. And um, mm -hmm. and get these studies going and creating these plans. So yeah, yeah the, definitely. The last one that really got hit this last year was, and I know the states got hit hard actually on the whitetail population was this blue tongue virus. Did you hear about that? Mm -hmm. Yeah, blue tongue. Yep, I've heard about that. The, the other yeah, issue we had uh, is uh, chronic wasting disease, which is another one we're worried about. You know, coming from east moving in this direction and that's a real problem as yeah. well for the white tail so those two things that's are the, a real concern yeah that's moving pretty quick that blue tongue virus took out we have a herd up in grand forks with a couple hundred animals and uh within 48 hours we still don't know exactly the count of it but probably about 70 percent of that herd was wiped out within pretty much yeah. two days and that's just a simple little a little bug a little midge that bites into the animal and gets that puts it in the disease and puts the disease in the sheep and then uh, wipes them out. But, yeah, it's, it's crazy. Like, that's just to get back to how precious these animals are and how, you know, um, we're so lucky to have them on our landscapes and to be able to hunt them in, in uh, healthy populations. And um, without the sportsmen, I mean, it's, it's really the hunters that are out there that are drumming hard to make sure that these animals are taken care of. I think that's a really good point to make, and uh, people need to recognize just how much, Hunters and fishermen really do contribute to, you know, um, conservation of whatever it is that we're after because we really do care, and we put a lot of money as an or you know as a group of people into these kinds of things. So uh, we just need to keep doing that and, and let people know what what uh, we're really doing to to maintain those opportunities, you know, as hunters and fishermen. That's right. That's right. Actually, funny thing is, like, I was out. Um, it's funny when you walk around with a big long lens on a camera, a lot of people ask you questions. Oh, what are you, what are you taking photos of? And, you know, so it, it actually creates a good opportunity to educate people and talk to people. So the other, uh, two weekends ago, I was out taking pictures of sheep and this older couple comes down and they say, well, what are you, what are you, what are you taking shots of? I'm like, oh, I'm looking for a bunch of lambs. And they're like, oh, I didn't know if they were around here. And, and, uh, so we start talking about the management side of things and, the lady asked me, she's like, well, how can we, how can we help? And I said to her, I said, I looked at her husband and said, do you guys both hunt? And she goes, well, back, back when I used to, but we don't do this anymore. And I said, you know, if you just go by, regardless if you hunt or not, 
just go buy a license if you qualify for one. Or if you, even when it comes to like waterfowl, go buy a stamp. Buy a stamp. Because yeah. all those money goes to conservation. Mm-hmm. And yeah. if you want to help us, go buy a license. And especially in yeah. British Columbia, our fisheries license, like our, our freshwater fishing license, 100% of that goes towards managing our fisheries now. And you don't even need a course to, to get it. You don't need your, your hunter's egg course. You can actually go get it. And all that money goes to it. And every year I buy a stamp whether I go out and uh, waterfowl hunt or not because we know where that money goes to, to the, yeah, to the management of our waterfowl, right? So, you know, without these funds, I mean, that's the thing is that the, the sportsmen and women are the ones that are feeding the, the revenue into this funnel of conservation. And, you know, if, if I can get other photographers out there that are maybe not hunters but go out and maybe just buy these licenses or these stamps, it will definitely help create more more revenue into it. Yeah, that's a really good point. I <laughs> I happen to just be reading a an article in the Rocky Mountain uh, Elk Foundation's magazine Bugle, and there was mm-hmm. an article in there that was talking about you know out of state hunters, and I was kind of interested in that and prices of tags and things like that. But what struck me, you know, about that it was the author was giving some numbers on how much money is spent between resident and non-resident hunters. As an example, like it was in the state of Wyoming, I believe, and it, it's hundreds of millions of dollars just in tags and license sales. Um, and obviously, you know, the largest majority of that money goes to the departments that manage those resources to help provide, you know, adequate population numbers for us to hunt or do other things that just improve habitat. So, you know, I don't think people realize just how much money you know, sportsmen and women put into um, licenses and other things that go to helping protect and, and manage these populations. Yeah, it's mind-blowing when you look at it. <laughs> and you could yeah. just imagine removing that that revenue from it where our wildlife would be. It's well, it's, but it's mind-blowing, like you said. The, yeah, the, the departments would essentially cease to exist. So it's real important that we continue to talk about these kinds of things. Uh, there's some stuff going on here in Washington and Oregon in particular with the uh, Department of Wildlife Commissions that, um, that you know, that help make decisions about seasons and this and that, and, and they're becoming more and more dominated by non-hunters and non-fishermen. And as, as they continue to take away opportunity from fishermen and hunters, the consequence of that's going to be is that in the end, it's, it's going to have an impact on funds which has an impact on our ability to actually take care of these things. So we really need to get the awareness out there and get the right people in place. That's right. Well, and that's what I absolutely love with focusing on wildlife photography is that, you know, if, if you go to my, <clears throat> my, my pages, you'll see that, you know, I've got some really cute photos of mountain goat kids and sheep, like little lambs and, you know, fawns and you got some crazy majestic pictures of bugling bulls and stuff like this. And people are just looking, wow, like, these are really good shots, and but what I get to do is I, I get to create conversation, and it blows me away every single time people are like, they, they, well, how do you find these animals? How do you learn how to find them? I'm like, well, I've hunted my whole life. I'm like, wait a minute, you yeah. hunt these animals, but you take these photos on them? And that I love this conversation because it creates a, the, I guess I mean, the word is a little bit, is people are ignorant to understanding the, the love that us sportsmen have for our wildlife and that we are true conservationists. So when I take these photos, they're like, well, well, you're a hunter, don't you? Doesn't that mean that you like you, you don't care about these animals? Like, no, it's the other way around. Like, I yeah. I know more about probably you know wild sheep than than 
most other photographers will because I've, you know, we we're hunting them or whichever, and where we're out there on a regular basis. But being able to open up that story and that, that conversation with a non-hunter of how much we actually do care and that we're out there and they're, they don't really understand sometimes is that these hunters aren't just, you know, from September till, you know, December with their rifles and they put it away. Well, all the other months of the year, we're creating fundraisers. We're out there doing habitat work. You know, it, it's it's a community that's the driving force behind conservation. And it's really neat to kind of be able to have that opportunity to open these people's these minds to it. And it's a good, healthy discussion. And it changes their point of view also on hunters. Because, like, how can you be a hunter, but you're taking these beautiful photographs of these animals and respecting these animals? Because that's what us hunters do. That's, that's yeah, what we are. It makes perfect sense to me. <laughs> but uh, Yeah, exactly. And I think... Um, you know, hunting in particular, you know, is becoming less and less popular in society in general. And and part of it, I think, like you said, is we'll just call it ignorance. People don't know what they don't know. And so, it, it you know, the work that you're doing, um, hopefully things like this, the podcast, people listening, people looking, people reading will understand just kind of how important it is for us to help maintain that lifestyle and, and that's a real key yeah i see it as a lifestyle and uh you've kind of talked about it in the way that you approach things with your camera and with education to me it's a it's a whole lifestyle and it's important that we maintain it well and i also tell people too rich he's like we'll be flipping through like you know what in the Usually it's the wildlife banquets we have at our fundraiser banquets. It's the time of year we kind of show each other how our hunting season went. So we're flipping through our phones and showing each other, like, oh, yeah, this is the buck I got. Da, 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 da. But then we're, I remember talking with my one buddy, Sean. He's flipping through. I'm like, whoa, what's that picture? He's like, oh, that was uh, that was just a big cow elk in, in this meadow feeding on near this riparian. I'm like, did you post that picture? He's like, no. I'm like, you should post that picture. I'm like, we got to do – we have a PR problem, guys. We need to show yeah. what we see out there and what we admire, not just the, the grip and grin kind what of shots, you know, if you're going to post yeah. those. You could, yeah, because yeah. then he, if, you, if you took stops and took that picture, it means that you respected that, that moment. You admired that moment, so share it because people yeah. now start to see hunting through your, the, your real lens, not just what you're going to – you know, yeah. I get it. We put it on social media because we want to show our friends, that our fellow hunters, but there's a lot of other – that aren't hunters out there so if you show both sides of that it'll tell a better story yeah absolutely it's not all about the grip and grin <laughs> no definitely not <laughs> <laughs> well danny we've probably talked long enough for this time which it won't be the last but i really appreciate you yeah. taking some time visiting with me and uh whether it's uh work with bcfishing.com or your work with the wild sheep boy just keep it up you're doing great danny and gosh darn it uh this whole pandemic thing's a pain in the ass of that border but now that it's open we've got to go fishing yeah we gotta go wet a line my friend for sure we, it's been way we, too long we need to we have to yeah. well, we need to plan that as soon as we can so absolutely all right well, i mean you just tell me when <laughs> yeah yeah i'm kind of at that point too just uh busy but we'll get her figured out soon Again, thanks for spending some time with me, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Yeah, thanks for the opportunity, Richie. All right, talk to you soon.
what a cool interview. We're pretty lucky to have Danny on our side. Yeah, Danny's an awesome guy. He yeah. really is. He's as like Bobby said earlier. He's just so talented. Uh, and the other thing about Danny is he's he's got a real clarity of thought when it comes to all things out in the outdoors. You know, mm-hmm. he's, you know, just says it just right. I don't know. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> he, you know, he 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 believes what he says, and, and that's you know, <laughs> let's face it. There's a lot of people out there that, right. that talk and they don't walk the walk right and it's really a breath of fresh air when you have somebody that really sincerely believes what they what they say right and you know he's very very good at 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 what he does regardless of what it is whether it's fishing or whether it's photography yeah or hunting and and, you know just he's one of those people that's really really good for the industry just from the standpoint is he just like you said he tells it how it is sure and, you know, one of the things that, that it is very, very true, and, and we're all, as hunters and fishermen, we're, we're all part of this group, and people don't really understand that, that you know, we, we are truly conservationists of these, Absolutely. Uh, of these natural resources. And in turn, it's really up to us to really show people, you know, what's out there. Right. You know, I, I, I packed a camera around for a long time when I was uh, younger, uh, working at uh, Brand X, and you know it was uh, it, it it was one of those things that I can still remember this plain as day. It, it's one of one of the most unbelievable memories. I'm standing in the middle of a river up in Alaska, in the middle of nowhere. It's like ten o'clock at night. The sun's starting to go down, and I've got some of these just absolutely gorgeous sunset pictures. I'm standing in the middle of the river. I just catch this like twenty-two, twenty-three inch rainbow. And I'd taken some pictures. I always carried a camera with me. And I'd taken some really good pictures with this fish. Standing in the middle of the river up to my waist. <laughs> and I take my camera. I take a few sun, sunset pictures. And I put it in my vest. And I hear this bloop. <laughs> and hmm, there, go, there, goes the, there goes that camera. You know, at that time it was like a $300, you know. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> And, and it just, it, it goes down, you know, it, it ended up in Bristol Bay somewhere, I'm sure. <laughs> so at, the, at that point, oh, I, my I, gosh. I, I think I went for a little while without carrying a camera around, you know. This is why he's on air talent yeah. and not behind the camera. It's always scary when you hand Bobby the camera. Hand the and the camera. phone, it's like, Bobby, the phone's turned backwards. <laughs> <laughs> You're taking a selfie, sir. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it it, oh. it it is, but but it's up to us. It really is yeah. to try to get across to these people that you know we're not out there trying to acquire these animals or fish or do something you know bad against them. It, it's something that's in need, right? You know, we 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 are conservationists and we love seeing the animals. We love being around nature. We love catching those fish and turning them loose. It's what we do. We need to, we need to portray that to everybody. It's like I said, when I was talking to Danny and this is how I really feel about it. It's really a lifestyle, the lifestyle that we, you're you're absolutely correct that we've chosen, you know, is we go get our own meat and fish and that's what we do. And being outside is, we can't think of anything else better in our life to do than that so i I think it's really it's a lifestyle more than it is anything else and we're carrying on traditions that are but we need to help we need to to we need to show people that because they don't quite understand they think we're just out there killing and that's what it's about and uh, no kind of goes like in my line of work like it's built in like the content creation and sharing Mm -hmm. and stuff but like truly at max lure 
like my goal and like my brand model and my focus laser focus vision is to help people catch more fish but also just grow the sport of fishing yes i I don't care to show the biggest fish or the the most trophy stuff like like bobby bobby just wants big fish or you know volume (laughs) i want people to be able to go out and catch a fish or two because that's the reality of it like no one goes out and catches limits every single time so we're out there trying to teach how to do it and then show how fun it is, you know, talking well, about that, the sunsets and talking about the times where well, you're not catching fish and you're just out in the middle of a lake with, you know, sure. sun rising. That's really cool. And that, and that's part of, you know, like with Richie's show, that, that, that's that's what's really great Oh, my great God, about Richie. It. I'm sorry. It's every, it's every I, time. I, I know. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, 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 that, that's the neat thing about Richie's show. It, yeah, he portraying, does. He focuses so sure. much on it. At, at the, average, the average guy can go out and go catch fish at x place doing this and that that's what we do and we just be- go out and have fun and it's because that's what most people do yeah know, exactly it's, it's not most are just weekend warriors or yeah. you know every other weekend yeah no they can't they month. can't be like us or be like a guide what do you mean fish we is a fish. fish every you know every day <laughs> when they fish not those him. fisheries every day guess what they know where the fish they are do. what's going on and and that's the whole idea right. but the average guy is not not or capable not able. or they're not able they're not able to do that because they have so in turn <laughs> you know we yeah. got to show what 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 the average guy can do if indeed he does just a right. little bit of background goes out and does it yeah so and you don't need a boat to do it no, you don't you really no. don't need a boat to do not it at all and speaking of what you said i always just think of our most recent trip with Dwayne. yeah and just how that river was so gorgeous. Especially early in the morning, we were walking the oh, drift boat down. Oh my gosh, I can't that wait. That was so crazy. It was just I can't wait hazy... to share that story. That, that's some of the best. With the sunrise in the background. Yeah, that's that some of the footage was so cool. Oh, it's going to be so good. That was fun. <laughs> I I want to go do that again. Dwayne texted me this morning, and I thought about it on the way up. <laughs> that was so fun, and I'd never done it before. And see that that's just... part of it was that it was just experiencing it and oh. drifting down eight miles of a river for six hours, I know. and stopping at every spot and just standing in the middle of the river. Yeah, you know, that pretty much the... sums it up right there for me. It's that it's the setting, it's the experience. We got some fish, so that was bonus. I mean, it's I don't know that to me that that story will kind of you know when you see that show, sure. it's gonna pretty much. Summarize everything we've been talking about. Well, also, you just won an award. I did. You won an award for something very similar, where we didn't go out and shoot a bunch of ducks, but we had a great time looking at eagles. And (laughs) (laughs) you mean that that pterodactyl? The pterodactyl up the line. Yeah, that's true. You know, uh, bluebird ducks. Bluebird ducks is what we call it. And you know, Bobby and Britton and uh, (laughs) our buddy Shelby Ross, we went hunting out at uh, potholes. And it wasn't very good. Well, you got a couple, but well, we, got, we got three. Yeah, but it, <laughs> but again, it was uh, you know telling that story about experience and, sure. and it won an award. <laughs> yeah. Well, because it's just real. I mean, yeah, it's very real. It, that, <laughs> yeah. that, that happens. But but let me tell you what. You know what? The, the next the next time we went out with Shelby, yeah, we we got limits of duck. You, you know you know, you know what? I, let me tell you what was the best part of that trip, duck poppers. Oh, yeah, yeah. Duck poppers in the blind. Well, I mean, that's the only reason I go to duck hunting anymore. <laughs> that's, the, that's the only reason Britain goes is so he can eat poppers. Yeah, I eat like four <laughs> kebabs of those things. God, those were good. God. And right in the blind like that? Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, Shelby. <laughs> Shelby, you're making us drool. You yeah, missed, exactly. You missed, you missed out in Puyallup. He brought, he brought them again. And so we got them in the middle of winter. Oh, that's great. 
right there, right? Yeah. And I didn't go. <laughs> over over in Puyallup, we, we ate a ton of them. They were, yeah, we, ton is an understatement. My God. <laughs> yeah, we'll have to get Shelby on here to give us that recipe. We do need to have Shelby on here. I don't know if he gave us the recipe, but it's good. We need to go fishing. Oh, he'll do the recipe. Yeah, he'll show you. No, it's pretty simple, We need actually. to go fishing is what we need. We need to get Shelby on here. That'd be good. We're going to go fishing. We're talking about we're talking about maybe going fishing within like six days. I think we say that every time. People are going to begin to wonder. Well, we do fish. <laughs> that's, we a, do. that's the unfortunate thing. You live in the, you work in, in the industry. industry. Yeah, just what we're saying. You work in the industry and yeah, yeah. you have to we're be, busy. be working yeah. and you don't get to go do all the I fun know. stuff. No, we're going. We're going to go. We're gonna go fishing. I, I also need to, uh, you know, we we sign this up. Go drink some more special coffee. <laughs> but I'm going to. I'm 100. I'm 100 going to. I'm not driving. <laughs> Me neither. But I kind of forgot about the coffee liqueur down there. I think I may go for a special coffee round two. Oh, speaking of which, I think I've got a new one coming. Ooh. Yeah. My, oh. my my niece sent me is sending me one over next week that oh. that is a brand new one that. That she said, oh, you, you guys will love this for special coffee. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, so. She's a good niece to have. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> All right, let's try it. All right, well, uh, we'll report back on the uh, the new special coffee yeah, we will. on the next <laughs> yeah. episode of the We Are Outdoorsman podcast. Be sure to go follow us on all the social media platforms at Herod Outdoors at Max Lure. Be sure to, like, rate this, please. It helps us a ton to help grow. And, uh, yeah, we will uh, I thought be we back were doing this week. for fun. We are. We are doing it for fun. It's okay. actually, it's, it's still work. It's still work. We still need, work. still need to grow to be able to keep doing it. So please go smash that uh, follow button. And uh, until next week, we will talk to you later.